Thank you for visiting New Song Community Church on the web at newsongpdx.com. We pray that you will be blessed by listening to the message today. You are welcome to celebrate with us in worship and the word every Sunday at 10 a.m. We are located on the corner of Russell Street at 2511 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard in Portland, Oregon. Good morning, New Song Church family and any special guests that are joining us for our service this morning. Today I want to invite you to get your Bibles out or maybe you're, you're using your, uh, your smartphone or perhaps even a tablet. And we're going to go to John chapter 13, verses 1 through 11. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil having already entered into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things into his hands and that he would come, uh, come from God and was going to God, rose up from the table, laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself, and after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, What I'm doing to you, now you don't really recognize what it is. And Peter said to him, Lord, you'll never be able to wash my feet. Jesus answers and said to him, If I do not wash you, uh, then you have no part of me or part with me. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he said this uh, for concerning the one who would betray him, and you are all not clean. Let's pray. Father, it is so wonderful to gather together in your name. And I pray today, Lord, as we look into your word, we'll discover some things about your word, that when you say something about us in regard to our relationship with you, Lord, it's really focused around a one term that we're going to spend a lot of time with. It's the fact of you loving us to the end. And we're going to talk today, Lord, about endless love. Lord, teach us today from your word that we will be your disciples and learn the things that, that you've tried to teach us through your example and through your humility. We thank you for all these things. In your mighty son's name, amen. Well, the spiritual calendar would remind us today is Palm Sunday. And the day uh, when Jesus rode on a colt and he heard people crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And for the Jewish people, it was a little bit different deal because they were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna to them meant save us, save us now. Because of the oppression of the Roman government, they're just really, really reasoning that Jesus would really want to save them from the oppression and the things that, that were going on in their lives. So... I guess there's some things we can talk about that will really be relevant to us. The cry for being saved from something is reminds you of some things that, that we're hearing on a worldwide level, level, coming from all over the world, begging deliverance from what's called the raving effect of COVID-19. Some of the most impacting pictures for me were those that were captured people who were separated from their loved ones, separated by barriers that, that, that didn't seem so lifelike, 
except when it came to a point when I saw some things, I think that, that some of you probably saw as well. Saying goodbye through the window of a senior care facility is a memory that brings little comfort to someone's grief. Because at the end of life, people would want to be able to say goodbye in person, but that wasn't available. Doctors and nurses and other medical personnel limited to FaceTime on their phones or a glance through a window into a parking lot, blowing kisses and, and waving uh, violently back and forth, hoping that dad or mom would notice them as they're standing in the parking lot, wanting to be noticed because they no longer have the, have the luxury of being close to them would give us a glimpse of what it would be like to share and to show what's called endless love. Today we'll look to Jesus who left believers then and now a powerful example of what it means to love to the end, regardless of the personal obstacles that we might have to confront. So here's the three things we'll talk about today. I think number one is, is one that would, would catch most of us. Has the current situation we face in the world today brought you to a place where you're willing to evaluate the depth of your love for those you have allowed access to your heart and your emotions? That's a big question, but his follow-up by the second one would be this. To what degree are you willing to go to demonstrate your commitment to those who have opened uh, their heart to you to embrace you in a relationship that you want to continue? And thirdly, I'd ask you this. Would, wouldn't you agree with a premise that love must be trans, transcend emotions and bring tangible evidence into a valued relationship. So as we look into the scriptures today, I would like to suggest to you that first of all, endless love needs no announcement. And going back to John chapter 13, verses 3 and 4, this is what Jesus says. He says, Jesus, knowing that, that he had come from the Father, and the Father had given all things into his hands, that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose up from the table, put aside his garment, garments, and took a towel and girded himself. I think the first thing that we can learn about this is endless love is not limited to circumstances or announcements. He made no announcement. People are just like, what's he doing? And he's getting up from the table, and all of a sudden he takes off his, his outer garment, he finds a towel, and, and he's girding himself, and he gets a basin of water and... I can just imagine what the, person, the first person thought when he comes up to him and says, really didn't say anything to him, just probably motion, put your feet in this particular basin. Well, endless love is not limited to circumstances or announcements. Love has the power of overriding the circumstances that we are aware of that could derail our purpose or our curse of action, or our course of action. Our purpose and journey should not be shortened, changed by things that could happen. Maybe you remember, through maybe studying the scripture, that Jesus probably had the toughest time of his life before he had dinner with his disciples. The night before, he's with his closest compadres and, and asked them the very simple thing for them to do. Could you just spend some time with me? I'm going through a hard time. Could you just watch with me for one hour as, as I pray in the garden? And I know, just like many of us, they were willing to do it, but somehow they weren't able to, to fulfill the request. And these are his closest, closest friends. The power of endless love overrides the plans of those who would desire to take it from us. But the thing about it is our purpose and our journey should not be shortchanged by the things that could happen. Well, what about this particular portion? 
there are people that we will begin our journey with that will choose to go another direction without telling us. The suggestion that Judas was there, and the, actually more than a suggestion, he'd already made up his mind from what the Word of God says, that he was going a different direction. But I think there's a few things that you need to know probably about what betrayal is all about. Betrayal can overtake people who once felt committed to us and our cause. In other words, it seemingly comes out of nowhere. What was once love can turn into double-mindedness and conflict rooted in the desire for selfish gain. I know there have been books and Bible studies about why Judas did what he did, and he probably spent some time contemplating this, and of course, he cuts a deal with the people who want to take Jesus out, and he, they reached a, a price that was, was, was pittance compared to what he did. But what is truly in our heart will be exposed even though we thought it was love. Jesus' destiny was supported by Judas' decision to invalidate what he experienced during the time he spent with Jesus. I want you to go with me for a few minutes, <clears throat> and some of this may challenge you in your thoughts and your beliefs about who Judas was. Consider these thoughts. Walking with Jesus three years, seeing the miracles, was not enough to shield his love for Jesus from abandonment. Probably you tell yourself, I'd never do anything like that. If I saw the miracles of Jesus, there's no way I could do the actions of Judas. But what about this? Hearing all of the teachings about the kingdom of God uh, did not enhance his love and devotion uh, for the new heaven and the new earth that he would one day see if he remained faithful. What about the promise to you of a new heaven and a new earth? Is that enough to keep your focus on loving Jesus and, and loving him to the end? But operating in the power given to the disciples to cast out demons and to heal the sick did not deliver Judas from the, allowing the devil to uproot his love for the Savior. Now maybe you thought, I said, or misspoke when I said that Judas had the power that was given to all the disciples that he's healing the sick and, and he's basically casting out demons and he's got a demon in himself. That doesn't make any sense. Well, Jesus did not need to announce the demonstration <clears throat> that he was about to, to give to them, but showing them, within, but he, he showed them what endless love looks like. Endless love walks into in the confidence of his own relationship with God the Father. Maybe you've been wondering, why is God allowing all this stuff happening? What about all these things in these different countries that they weren't, oh, weren't ready for? What about New York that all of a sudden has become the epicenter for this great outbreak of, of, of the virus and it seems like it, it, it gets worse and worse every day well endless love operates without the robe that we think we need to protect our identity in other words how do we protect ourselves from certain things well Jesus took out the outer robe that would cause him to be the, the superhero and got to a place where he was willing to serve people without having that, the robe as his identity when we are willing to gird ourselves with humility, we will put pride into its proper place. And I believe that Jesus was demonstrating something that all of us were going to learn before this, this whole event is over, uh, over the entire world, that, that pride isn't always cranked up to be, and Jesus is doing some great things for all of us. Endless love must overcome the resistance of those who believe they don't need to experience, to, to experience it. 
Let's go back to our, our text of scripture. And wouldn't you know, it's Peter, our buddy. He says this. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus' answer to him was quick and right to the point. He says, well, if I don't wash, your, wash you, you have no part with me. There wasn't any questioning with the fact that Jesus says this is an option. This is one of the things I'm suggesting. And let's look at it from this particular perspective. That, that uh, endless love that Jesus is demonstrating is not intimidated by the interrogation of those unwilling to submit to its power. In other words, the world will see this love as weakness and subservience. You're saying, you're saying that Jesus was weak? And so, and so Peter's pride was in the fact that he thought he was the only person who was properly assessing Jesus' power and authority over those in the house. In other words, he says, I get it. These guys don't get it. Jesus is going to wash their feet. He's not going to wash mine because I'm just going to acknowledge him as Savior and Lord. And Jesus wasn't, that wasn't the, the, the object at all. Pride will often take the posture of thinking authority would never take a position of humility. I want you to say that again. Authority would never take the position of humility. Well, Jesus' response to Peter went to the heart of what endless love is all about. So let's go over to Corinthians chapter 13. Everybody calls it the love chapter. But I think it's more to a, more to a love chapter. It's an instruction as to if we ever want to think that we're going to have the love of God, there's some things that we'll have to have in, uh, installed in our life. This is Paul writing this, this particular thing to the Corinthian church, and he says this, Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Is not puffed up. Love, says, love does not behave rudely. Uh, does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices with the truth. But here's a big one. Bears all things. Believes all things hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Well, here's our experience. That if, that's, if that indeed is the case, then Paul discovered that real love, what real, real love looks like. Quickly, checking about the, a, a snapshot of, of Paul's life. He was the least likely candidate for Jesus to even want to be a part of because of his hate for the for what Christianity was all about, or, or the people of the way was all about, and he did everything he could do to crush it. But all of a sudden, he discovered that what he was doing was the total antithesis of what love is really all about. Well, endless love is is one of those things that God wants to do. That Peter would just would just would later discover that his love was not even close to what he was seeing modeled by Jesus. And Peter's response to Jesus it was indicative of his lack of insight regarding love. Here's a couple of things I think you, that would be takeaways for you today. It is not something you do. It is the person you are beyond your actions. What does that mean? If you're just doing things during this time where you can go to your neighbor and offer to go to the grocery store for them, or you see an older person and you're trying to, to help them out during this tough time, if that's your only motive, that's not going to get you anywhere. But it's more than a foot cleansing, I guess, but rather a heart exposure of willingness to serve far beyond what would, would be expected. 
Jesus' example of endless love was clearly taught without any need for further explanation. And so he made it clear to his disciples, he says, you know, he, he did it, and then he tried to explain it. He says, I cannot give the example of Jesus' willingness to live his life as a servant. I cannot ignore, excuse me, the example of Jesus' life and willingness to live as a servant. We cannot plead ignorance regarding the need to demonstrate love in practical ways. And then again, the blessing comes when we are willing to do the things the way Jesus did them. Unannounced, in a way that people weren't expecting, and then exposing themselves to the criticism of those that are, that are around and saying, well, why, why is this happening? Well, Jesus experienced the challenge to his love from his disciples who desired preference over one another. I love the scripture over in Matthew because it's so indicative of our, of our culture. The culture that we have now of, of trying to be first and trying to be the, the person that's getting recognition. And so in Matthew chapter 20, it's, it's almost humorous, but I think it, it, it bears the fact of us taking note of it. Matthew chapter 20, verses 22, and 22 in serving, says this. But Jesus answered and said, well, let, let me pick it up a little bit before that. And, and the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons kneeling down and asking something from him. And he said to her, what do you wish? And she said to him, grant that these two sons of mine may sit one on your right and one on your left in your kingdom. And Jesus answered and said to her, do you know what you asked? Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink and to be baptized with the baptism that I'm about to be baptized with? And I don't know how they came up with this. They said, yes, we're able. Even after making that particular sense of the truth, Jesus he says, well, that's nice, but that's not for me to do a lot to you folks. In other words, sometimes there were people that were, in, that were of the discipleship of Jesus that were clueless about their value or the things that they wanted. They had an agenda, and Jesus had to bring them to accountability for that. The love of some of the disciples desired preference over one another. Jesus wanted them to learn the joy of serving and sacrificing for one another. And the joy of receiving the one who sent Jesus rests in the desire to serve one another. Well, back to John. Endless love must confront betrayal. I know that's a hard word for us to even think about. But the betrayal that happened to Jesus was by no means an accident, but it's something that we have to really get a grasp on. But the, the, the things that led up to it were, were pretty devastating. But in, in verse 21, we come to a place where we just have to examine it for at its face value. And when he said these things, he was troubled in his spirit. He testified, he said, most assuredly, I say to you that one of you will betray me. Then the disciples looked at one another, perplexed about who he spoke. Now there were leaning, uh, there were, was leaning on Jesus' bosom, one of his disciples, who Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore motioned to him to ask, "Who is is he that he speaks of?" Then leaning back on Jesus' breast, he said, "Lord, who is it?" And Jesus answered and said, "It is, 
is he to whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the, the son of Simon. And after the piece of bread, uh, actually received the piece of bread, Satan entered him. Well, we can try to debate the fact, was that the, 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 the end of the whole deal when, when that happened? Well, betrayal is, is sometimes hard to detect. Jesus did not treat his betrayer any different from the rest of the disciples. Was he covering up for him? I don't think so. But at the same time, even though he was a betrayer, Jesus somehow loved, as a, as the whole scripture decided to, or, or started off with, he loved his, his disciples to the end, even though he knew one of them was a betrayer. And somehow, I think many of us would struggle, is that really possible? The love of Jesus gave him ample opportunity to change his course of direction. And Jesus allowed John to know his betrayer. Okay, let's talk for a moment. Some of you may struggle with this whole idea. What's up with the idea of Jesus having a special friendship with John? How does that work? Isn't Jesus kind of picking one person over the other? Well, I want you to hold on to that thought because I want to resolve that for you before our, our lesson's over today. But consider the idea that Jesus allowed John to know his betrayer and the revelation of the betrayer came from the request of the one who had the strong relationship with Jesus. Wow. Can we stop for a moment and just ask a simple question? What's the level of your relationship? What's the intensity of your relationship with Jesus right now? Is it predicated on some favoritism? Or is it because you just desire to be close to him for all the right reasons? Well, it's obvious that throughout Scripture that Jesus had a strong, relation, loving relationship with, with John. And if you're stuck on the idea that, that John was his favorite, you're going to have some problems. Because, you know, oftentimes I heard people say, well, I don't really feel close to Jesus. As, as, you know, I, I just don't feel as close to Jesus as I used to. I have one question for you. Who moved? Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if there's distance that you're feeling, somehow your, your priorities got mixed up and you've kind of moved away from him because remember what he says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. So the distance you may be experiencing is, is a, a time that you've let something else displace him from a place he used to occupy in your heart. Well, Peter knew who to ask to get the information. So it was a, a hidden idea or concept that... that uh, there was a relationship that existed between John and Jesus. Jesus responded to the loving request of John and let everybody know. Here's something that we can, we can talk about a little bit further. The endless love of Jesus revealed to his disciples through his demonstration of loving service, uh, uh, excuse me, of the loving service of John. In John chapter 13, verses 34 to 35. As we look at those particular scriptures, I think we'll discover some things about what, what God was, what Jesus was trying to teach us about ourselves and about our relationship. And he says this, uh, these words, he says, a new commandment that I give unto you. He says, now the Son of Man will be glorified uh, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify himself and glorify him immediately. Little children... I shall be with you a little while longer. 
you will seek me, and you, as I said, the Jews, where I'm going, you cannot come. So, so now I say to you, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The statement within itself says, okay, just love one another. Well, I think it was going to be put to the test because his disciples were still clueless of the entire impact of what just transpired. Jesus came into a room. They were having dinner. He takes a basin. He doesn't announce what he's going to do. He pours water in the basin. He starts washing their feet. And then through the middle of this whole situation, he announces somebody's going to betray him. Then after the betrayal happens, you know, uh, they know who it is. They know who it is. And they're just kind of confused, like, what just happened? Well, let me give you some clarity for this. That Jesus commanded them to love one another as he had loved them. If, the, if there was one takeaway, if they were just stepping away from the whole situation, I believe that at the end of this particular supper, he had already washed Judas's feet. If that isn't the out point of love, I don't know what it is. Can I ask you a question? Would you be willing to even talk to, let alone wash the feet of somebody you know who's going to betray you? I'll get answered for you. The answer is no. Matter of fact, you don't want to be around them. You don't want to talk to them. And there's some people, if you're really honest, you don't ever want to see them again. How is it possible to know or even to, to come to that particular place? Well, he says, Jesus commanded them to love one another as I have loved you. And the proof of their discipleship would be to love endlessly as he had loved them. I don't have time to go through the profile of every disciple that Jesus had, but I think every one of them was flawed in, in, in one way or another. I think that Peter probably comes to the top because he was the most outspoken and boisterous. And needless to say, we're going to do it a place that, that probably you knew I'd have to arrive at at some point. Because Peter was convinced that his love was endless, but Jesus had to address that issue. So we pick it up at, at verse 30, 38. And it's, it's pretty convicting. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered him, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. There's a lot of key in that, that particular statement. And Jesus said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered and said to him, Will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. Well, let's just kind of rewind it to what we've been talking about. Endless love. The whole idea that, that the Lord is trying to show us is that we, of the love that we think we have, we really don't have. His personal conviction did not measure up to his endless love. His heart was disconnected from what it took to make this commitment. And in spite of his denial, Jesus deposited, in, uh, deposited the seed of endless love in him that would bring forth fruit on the day of Pentecost. 
So I think it's important for us to learn that even though he thought he had it and he didn't have it, but Jesus had already spoke into his life that, you know, you're going to come through this. You're going to come out on the other side. I got to hasten to this. I know I'm a little bit longer than I normally am, but hey, there's a couple of things we got to go to in John chapter 19. This is this is great because this is this is this is to the place where we're at the crucifixion, and it's right at the end before everything just the, the page is it's closed in John chapter 19 verses 26 through 27 because I think it'll answer a number of questions for you about the relationship between Jesus and John. Now, but there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his, his mother and his disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour on, the disciple took her into his home. Yeah. Here's the answer to the question. Why was it this way? What does Emma's love look like? At the end of his life, before he uh, solidified our salvation, John was the only man that was there. A few other women and his mother Everybody else was gone. So what does endless love look like? I'll give you three things, and I'm finished. Or maybe, or three concepts, and then we'll finish it with a few other few thoughts. Well, number one, endless love looks like that you patiently endure the loss of connections, convenience, and freedoms that we thought belonged to us. Many of us are having to abandon that in light of, of what we're going through with, with the conflict of, of, of the, the virus. But secondly, it looks for ways and means of kindness to share with those we know and get to know. Another thing I think would be really important is it loses all claim to entitlement of rights that we thought were ours without complaining. Here's just a couple more. It chooses not to be offended when the evidence may lean toward there was intent to do so. In other words, we choose not to be offended, and there's a lot of reasons why we could try to feel like we are. But here's the part that is driven home, I believe, is so poignantly, is love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, and love never fails. It is to say... It is, it is to stay at the foot of the cross when everyone else has run away. All the rest of the disciples were gone. John stayed. John, his mom, and a couple other women. It is becoming, is becoming the disciple that Jesus would trust with the welfare of his own mother. I have a quick story to say to end my message today. It was in 1993. I had gone through probably a difficult time in my life. My mom had been sick for six months, and she was right about the end of her life. And one of the last times I visited her, she made me make a promise to her. And I love my mom so dearly. She says, she says, honey, 
if it ever turns out that 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 you need to that you're teaching the word of God and I'm a pastor from this life, he says she she said to me, she says, I want you to go and preach the best sermon you've ever preached. Well it just turned out that year, right about Christmas time, that was actually the eve of Christmas, my mom went to a, to into that particular place where she was fading fast, and then I got a call about 2 o'clock in the morning that she'd passed. But I made her a promise. I said, Mom, she says, don't worry about me. I want you on that particular morning to preach the best sermon you've ever preached because I'm going to be okay. My mom loved me to the end. I loved her to the end. But but the testimony of our relationship was, she says, don't worry about me. I've already made it there. She says, I want you to preach a sermon that will bring somebody else in the kingdom. I don't remember how many people accepted Jesus that particular day, but without telling anybody what had happened and mom was gone, there was something inside of me because of my love for her that I was able to, to, to share the endless love that she had had for me, the endless love that Jesus had given to me, and to share that someone would have an endless love for Jesus for eternity. And I pray today that this message would, would grab your heart to the degree that you'd say, you know, Pastor, I really want to have that type of love regardless of how I've been treated, regardless... Oh, oh, how I feel like I've been shortchanged. I want that child, that love of Jesus in my heart. So I'm going to ask you to pray with me now as I end this message that you would find Jesus or you'd reconnect with him in such a way that your life would reflect all that he is. Father, I pray today that, that the words that I've said, and Lord, there's been many of them, and Lord, I pray today it would be the beginning of someone's life or the rekindling of someone's life in their relationship with you. Lord, I pray that that we would begin to model the love of Jesus in such a way that we're not really concerned about what people think and the people that lack humility, we're not going to foster an idea or an attitude toward them. That those are facing all of, of the, 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 the terrible things that are happening with, with the coronavirus, the separated families that has, allowed, that has disallowed people from saying their last words to people before they've departed this life. I pray, God, that the power of your Holy Spirit would come to them today. And they would put their trust and their confidence in you. You're a great God. You're an awesome God. And I pray in the name of Jesus that people would reconnect with you, that they could experience your love that has no end. Because you loved us to, to the very end. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, folks, it's been a great experience being with you today. A couple of things I'd remind you about. Next Sunday is, well, is Resurrection Sunday. And sometime during our, our broadcast, we're going to have a communion service. And so I'd ask you to be prepared on that particular time to get some grape juice and probably those, those special glasses you haven't used since your wedding and, and have those out. And we'll have a time during our time in the Word next week that we'll commune together as in the fellowship of Jesus. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful week. And God bless you. Thank you for listening today. We pray that you have been blessed by listening to the message. You are welcome to celebrate with us in worship and the Word every Sunday at 10 a.m. If you have a prayer need, we welcome you to submit it through our website. We'd love to pray for you. Will you consider supporting us with your prayer and financial gifts? God bless you.